DJ Sandu. Hello. How are you today? Fantastically well. Glad to hear it. We just had to take a field trip because I'm special. To go all the way to Walmart. Uh, in the quarantine. To society's p- Petri dish. I know we did. Ugh, so scary. It was actually good looking people there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's that wasn't it wasn't standard. It wasn't Is that how normal, we know it's the end of times? It wasn't the good people looking the normal people at Walmart? Walmart experience. <laughs> it was uh like everybody looked bathed and uh and well kept. It was strange. Well then this should that should be the end. Yeah, it almost if the people at Walmart are bathing, we should be done. Yeah, there that's a that's a real telling sign right there. It almost felt like a target. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it could have been. Did we go to the wrong place? I think so. I've been. Um, uh, so we were just talking about how uh, uh, your niece is embarrassed by you. Yes, <laughs> she is. It's so miserable. All right, so here's a full story. Uh, on my birthday, I was with my 15-year-old niece and my brother and uh, my aunt, and I had asked my niece if she thinks that we are cool and she responded with, how do you mean, which is a very bad start, because if it has a qualifying question, that's a fucking no. Right. Uh, and I was like, well, if you were out with your friends in public, and then my brother and I just kind of walked up, would you be like, oh, cool, my friends get to meet my cool uncles? Or would you be like, oh, shit, here comes my lame ass uncle. She's like, I'd be embarrassed. <laughs> and then she goes, look, I believe that you guys used to be cool, but you're trying too hard now. And then I started, I did the worst thing possible. Then I started trying way too hard. (laughs) (laughs) Were you giving her your credits? You were like, listen, do you know who I am? You think I name drop in a green room? (laughs) I was name dropping on this 15-year-old child. I'm like, do you think this person's cool? Here's a picture of me with him. Do you think that person's cool? Here's a picture of me with him. And I'm like trying to But she's 15, so she was literally like, who's that? No, like, she knew. She, oh, she, she knew didn't these know who people. They were? Okay. I was like, "Do you think people on like the radio are cool?" And she's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "I get interviewed by radio literally every week." <laughs> I'm like, "How about people who do like morning news?" She's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Literally every week." <laughs> and I'm like, "What? Like, what do I need to do to earn your love, like, or your respect, or anything? Like, come on, <laughs> throw me, a, throw me a bone. I just." want to be the cool uncle like <laughs> well isn't that kind of the quandary of a comic you go to a, a comedy club where you're respected and <laughs> you're like, yeah you're adored and women are throwing themselves at you and then you go home to your family that's like no why don't you get a job a, yeah no one gives a fuck when you're there yeah uh i mean you're not that funny I, though I'd you seen, know uh, at home <laughs> i'd seen uh george carlin live just a few months before he passed and he had commented on that he's like look like I'm in a sold out theater. This was at uh, the convention center downtown. So it's like a really big, very big room. It's completely sold out. He's like, I go to family reunions and literally nobody gives a fuck that I'm there. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, these grandkids or whatever, like, it's like, there's just little nine year old kids that like, 
Oh, they'll come sit on my lap and talk for a little bit, but they don't give a fuck who I am. Right. They don't know anything that I've done, and I don't matter to them. Right. What, so, and he's like, and that's what it should be. He's like, that's a kind of beautiful thing. Is like when you get to be around your family, they treat you like family instead of treating you the way that everybody else treats you. Right. Like, they bring you back down to earth, and they're not impressed by whatever the fuck you're doing. I think everybody needs to have that person. That, yeah. Or that that group of people not even just one person to so that when your head gets too big they can go hey i saw you trip last week yeah exactly you're still human yeah <laughs> yeah like oh you, you think puked you puked the other day you think you're dope what about the one time you sharded <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you remember that because <laughs> i do yeah you're not gonna let me forget uh <laughs> it's, it's always man mm-hmm. i don't know my my family what's what's dope though is like because my parents don't understand this okay. at all. This isn't a product that they consume. They don't know anything about comedy. So, like, I've sent photos of myself with, like, Russell Peters or, like, Dave Chappelle or somebody, like, big to my mom. And she's responded with, like, am I supposed to know who this is? <laughs> and I'm like, I, yeah, I figured you would have heard the name somewhere. And she's like, no, I just don't, don't really follow. And so what's kind of... What sucks about it and what's cool about it is what sucks is no matter how big of a success I am, it will never matter to her. Right. You'll always be your mother's son. But what's beautiful about it is no matter how big of a failure I become in this. You will always be your mother's son. It won't matter. She just can't comprehend this. uh, She can't like conceptualize what comedy is like as an industry at all. Yeah. She understands you go to a building you sit there for 40 hours and then money gets given to you and it's the same amount all the time and it's consistent. You go to the same spot, you get the same amount. She doesn't understand like, cause this isn't a job where any other job you apply for it and then they just give you shifts. They just give you your schedule. This is a job where you have to apply for every shift right. that you get over and over and over again. You're constantly in the application process. Right. And so she doesn't understand like having to hunt down your paycheck in August, even though right now it's only April mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay rent in September and right. I need to start worrying about my September money now. It is a weird thing to constantly be thinking forward. Yeah. Because, you know, I'll have, you know, people come to the club or call the club and be like, Hey, who's there this week? And I literally have to go, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like I have to look it up because yeah, I booked it, and yeah, I made arrangements, and yeah, I did that, but I'm constantly thinking six months ahead. So you can ask me who I booked in September because I just yeah. did that. Yeah, I know the future very well. Right. I don't know shit about today. Right, but I trust that whoever I booked is going to show up tomorrow because, I don't know, I haven't even checked in with them maybe. Like, I'll send them the information on their accommodations tomorrow, but today I have no clue where they're at. Yeah, you like, don't don't, don't put me in the, the future. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, even with me, like when people are like, "Where are you gonna be at next?" I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know. I spent all day booking flights for next month, right? So I know where I'm gonna be in fucking six weeks, but I should probably. Oh pack. shit! I'm supposed to check into my flight right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I should oh, probably pack. Like, oh I'm shit! In, I'm in boarding group fucking G now. Like, <laughs> should have done this Sitting hours next ago. to the bathroom with the yeah. guy that has a baby in. Oh, it's the worst. I was uh. Uh, just a few weeks back, like I went out to do this APCA conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And on the flight back, like 
for some reason, Frontier Airlines or Spirit or whatever the fuck I'm on, some budget-ass airline, it's not full because everything's shut down right now. Right. And nobody's trying to travel. And so they still have a sat three to a row. <laughs> but it's like every other – and there's like just chunks of missing – and so like before the flight takes off, I'm like, hey, uh, can I just take that row? Like I'm in the middle. Right. And I'm like – I'm not comfortable and the people near me aren't comfortable and we can all be comfortable. And you have 83 empty seats. And they're like, no, well, uh," and they give me some excuse and they're like, no, you have to stay in your seats until we're midair. And they take the the seatbelt sign off and they'd give me some excuse. uh, And then as soon as they turned around, I just went over to to the row anyway. You messed up their entire head count. And then they got on the intercom they're like it is imperative that you stay in your seats we are expecting a full flight and blah 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 blah, and this (laughs) and that and then like flight takes off i move over anyway i'm getting off and uh uh, i go to the stewardess i was like imperative imperative can we agree that imperative was a heavy word choice please (laughs) full flight get the fuck out of here like and then I tried the same thing on my connection to the to finish out the flight. And they're like, for weight distribution and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so they gave me a completely new excuse and it's yeah. the same carrier. And I was like, okay, I, I would buy that excuse. If in the check-in process, you asked everybody their what weight, their weight is, and yeah. you sat us accordingly. Right. You're sitting us by group numbers, not by here. weight. Right. I'm like, this thing can fly completely empty. You don't need – get the – No. Right. And if my 160-pound ass is going to be the thing that... <laughs> takes us all down. Takes us down, mm-hmm. I'm willing to take that gamble. Well, if it's probably not your 165. I, although, that would have been the story if the plane went down. Yeah. It would have been on, on the onion and everything else. If it wasn't for the selfish 160-pound <laughs> male... DJ Sandu yeah. single-handedly took down a flight because he didn't want to sit in the middle. Yeah. How rude. A like, quote-unquote comedian... <laughs> Well, joke's on you now, buddy. Ha, ha, ha. Like, uh, the headlines would be the worst. They would. But it's funny how, like, one one decision that seems so inconsequential can become such a huge thing just just by fate. Yeah. Going, uh, watch this. That- <laughs> like, the, the guy, that the NBA player that, you know, he was fucking around when he whatever, licked the microphone or did whatever he did, and then turns around, gets coronavirus, everything's canceled. And not that he, not that it got canceled because of him, it would have eventually got canceled. Right. But he will forever be the face. He'll always be known as. The guy that licked the microphones and got the whole NBA canceled. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it was like, at the time, it seemed like a small thing. It was. Yeah. Everybody probably laughed and chuckled and they were like, ah, that's so funny. The thing is, like, I it wasn't mean, funny a week later. Yeah, for real. Like how quickly everybody has gone from uh, it's no big deal to holy shit, we're done, we're doomed, right? And like how immediately that switch happened for everybody. Because mm-hmm. like my roommate in Vegas was, I was because uh, I was just watching what's the what's happening around the country, and I was like, hey, uh, California just shut down. I'm pretty sure that Nevada is going to follow suit. I'm heading over to the grocery store to stock up on. Some food for us for the next couple of weeks. Don't know when everything's reopened. She's like, you're overreacting. It's not going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. The next day, everything shuts down. 
And she just didn't come home. Yeah. Because she didn't want to face me <laughs> right. and be like, oh, well, this prepared motherfucker who. Well, thanks for picking up food for us. No, nah, she, <laughs> uh, uh, she was like, I refuse to eat your food. But was that? And I was like, good. Yeah. Like, I don't fucking like you. That means I can last three or four weeks now. Yeah, for real. Enjoy eating your fingernails oh, or God. whatever it is you're going to uh, eat. I'm so glad I got away from this woman. <laughs> it really was bad. I made it five weeks. Five weeks. Yeah. And then I went home, packed up all my shit, and moved it over to Miles' house. Yeah. Like, I mean, I found out she's on heroin. Crazy. Uh, she's bringing sketchy people over and over and over again. And I was talking to Miles, and Miles was like, look, man, of all the people we know, you're the only person who gets along with literally everybody. Yeah. If it's this many people in a row, it's a her thing. <laughs> That's a her problem. Yeah. Like, there's no way that you are not getting along with this many motherfuckers in a row. Yeah. Like, why is she attracting such horrible people? And then it just started clicking. And I was like, oh, my God. How to like. But that's what junkies do. They're good at manipulation and lying. Right. Up until they get you into a position where, like, they feel like they can get comfortable. And then they stop. Well, and if living with something, if living with somebody is not the best way to see who a person really is. Like, yeah, that I mean, you can't 24 seven be another person. No, you, and she can. And that public. guard will drop. And then you're like, wait a minute. That's what junkies. Yeah. Listen, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, <laughs> Dude, it was, oh, God, she's crazy. Not just junkies, though. That's that's everybody. You yeah. know, everybody has this this persona that you put up, put up for, you know, when you first meet people, you're a certain person. And then people you know better, you're a little uh, bit. Do you feel that way about yourself, though? I you... don't feel like I'm a different so person. I think, I think that that's something, but that's a huge luxury that we have. of me, from what I hear, because there's been many times on this podcast we've talked about the intimidating Jenny, that I'm so intimidating. And yeah, that... you're a scary human. <laughs> you are. You're a scary human. I agree with that. All right. You uh, are. I guess that. over. Jesus Christ. No, just joking. I, I totally understand that. Like why somebody would be so intimidated to, to speak to you. But I don't think that I change people's perception of me changes. Like I don't turn around and all of a sudden I'm warm and fuzzy. Right. I just get to know a person and then I'm, you know, I'm more talkative. I just don't talk to people I don't know. I'm not, right. I'm not a cheerleader type where I walk up to everybody and be like, oh my God, how are you doing? I'm so glad to meet you. I love your hair. I'm just not that person. Right. I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. And then if you stick around longer, you figure out who I am and I figure out who you are. Yeah. And it's organic. It's not like, uh, where were you born? What are you doing? What do you like? What's your favorite color? Like, See, that's... Uh, not that interested. Like, uh, like being out and trying to hook up with people or something like that. Like... I was never, I've never been the dude that can just like see somebody from across the room and be like, oh, I'm attracted to that person. And then just go up and be like, hi, my name's DJ, blah, 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 blah. I can't do that. Yeah. I would rather just go home alone and never meet the woman (laughs) of my dreams than become a vague Facebook post of, I was out with my friends at this karaoke guy, uh, karaoke joint and some man felt entitled to <laughs> come over to me and try to get my number. And I just wanted to be with my, like, I don't want to become that. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just die alone. Yeah. I'm fine with that. But if we naturally just end up in a conversation together, I'm going to knock it out of the park. Right. Like I'm going to turn that interaction into something good and decent, but I can't just go up to somebody 
randomly and just start a relationship. Right, right. And that's how that's how I think that like comics, when they first meet me, they expect because I don't know, maybe because they've heard that I am a certain way or whatever, but they expect me to like just hug everybody with open arms and right. just be this immediate connection between owner and comic. And I'm like, but I don't know you. And the people I do know that you've heard such great things about, I didn't know them once either. You could ask them. They all thought I was crazy. Right. Intimidating. But this, this is this is a big reason why I preach to people that you need to build your, your spider web and your network as mm-hmm. much as possible. Because at that, like if you've been this isolated artist your entire career and you you're the best on stage possible. Great. Awesome. That's part of the job for <laughs> sure. But a real much larger part of the job is being able to market yourself. Right. And the best way to do that is build your network of people mm-hmm. so that when I come to your club and you've never heard of me and I've never heard of you and I'm trying to get in, I can put my nose as far up your ass as I want and make zero progress. Which I won't appreciate. Or I can be like, oh, hey, uh, Miles Weber says blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, you're a buddy of Miles? And now I have this shortcut in where at least now, like I can name drop a few people who mean a lot to you as a club owner or a booker or whatever. Or even better, when Miles is working there, he says, hey, can I have this buddy do a guest set? And then- you know, you come in yeah, and not only that's... do I get to meet you through a personal connection, but also get to see you on stage at the same time. Right. Because even having introduced me as, you know, I'm Miles's buddy. I'm like, okay, Miles has a thousand friends. Like, it's not a huge thing, but being able to pair the two where I get to see the talent and, okay, Miles is a professional who likes... You know, who's not going to recommend somebody. And I'll, I'll hit Miles up if you say Miles Weber. Oh, yeah. Da, I'll be like, hey, DJ's here, blah, blah, blah. He said, you know, he just used your name. Because comics are have very that? protective, oh. as they should be. There was about some Sacramento who... comics. <laughs> there were some Sacramento comics who went to Vegas and name dropped me uh, for Gabe's show. Okay. Dirty. Yeah. Uh, and Gabe put them on. Thinking, oh, you got the the DJ vouch. Why question that? Right. And except it wasn't a vouch. It was uh, no. It, they it didn't was ask a, me if a, they could use my name. Associ- association, not a professional. No, yeah. they didn't have my permission to do so. And mm-hmm. had they, and I told them straight up, like, yo, if you had followed up with me and checked the references, mm-hmm. I would have immediately been like, no, they do not have my permission to 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 name drop like that. If this was an open mic, absolutely, I would help them out. As much as I could, I would right. hit the people up directly and be like, yo, I've got some buddies in from Sacramento. Right. Trying to find some stage time. Uh, I, I would consider it a personal favor. Thank you very much. Right. And everybody in Vegas would do that for me. At an open mic level. At an At open mic. At a different mic. level, yeah. Easily. But mm-hmm. on something like that, this is one of the hardest shows to get in with. And the list, like the line to get in at this show is it's astronomically yeah. long. Yeah. So... Because what you're what you're ending up doing is if you name drop me and you don't deliver on that product, now my name, my reputation is being diminished. Mm-hmm. And now my relationship with this booker is kind of on the rocks, all because of your selfish 
Fucking, you're just trying to get your nut off once. Well, there's a club that if you recommend somebody, and I don't know if it's this way anymore because the club has changed hands, but if you recommend somebody and they don't do well, you lose your booking for a year. Ooh, what club it was, was that? Harvey's. Oh, really? Yeah. If you recommend somebody and they don't do well, he didn't do guest spots, he would just take your recommendation. And they come in and don't do well, you're out for a year. I, I agree with Don't that. Don't recommend people. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, I, it definitely, there are a couple of comics that have sent me recommendations or have given my number out to where I've had enough people go, so-and-so recommended me, where I don't listen to any of the recommendations because there's so many. Right. Not everyone is that great or is that great that you should be sticking your reputation on. Like every now and again. One or two people, but every single week I'm getting a call or getting a name. First of all, stop giving out my number. Right. And second of all, they can't all be that good. They can't. I mean, if I'm recommending them, they are. <laughs> well, you don't recommend I'm them very, every week. I'm very caught. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I'm, I, I do it sparingly. Ty Rivera had actually posted this. Uh, uh, I think it might have been a year ago, but it, but it really stood out to me where he was like, Dear comics from everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I follow Ty because I love his no nonsense. He's you very know, direct. Just very direct. Uh, you and, and know he, what he feels he and what means what he says. Yeah. Uh, but he his post was like, uh, "Look, like, yeah, I live in Vegas now, and everybody comes to Vegas all the time, but I cannot get you on a show every fucking week. There's only mm-hmm. so many shows out here, and the Booker books it." Mm-hmm. I can't become the booker. Mm-hmm. I can't have friends in this city every week. And every week I send you over to John Hilder to do the Hilarious Seven? Right. No. Right. That's his job to get it booked. And he is going to stop booking me if I keep trying to become the booker by hooking up all my friends constantly. So right. here's a list of mics and here's a list of the showcases. I can absolutely I can point get you, you in the right direction. I can get you into shows. Yeah. He said, you know, he said that I can get you into a show. Right. But getting you on a show is a whole nother story. And that's exactly where, uh, that point is where I will or will, I will either gain or lose respect for a comedian is if I respond with like, yo, I can't get you stage time, but I can easily get you into this room, blah, blah, whatever. And they're like, oh, well, no, I'm, and they have some excuse. Then I'm like, oh, okay. So I just offered you an opportunity to meet the person that you need to meet. So then in the future, you don't have to go through me as a middleman. So you, you can meet and directly, directly. Right. Like, go pick up your application so that they know who is applying for this job. Right. Uh, and if you don't treat this like a normal job, I don't have to respect you as a comic, as an artist. There's too many people out here that are trying very hard. Well, and there's something to be said about being in the right place at the right time. So if you do go... I think that's oversimplified because it makes it sound like it's luck because people <laughs> used to people used to ask me how I get lucky so often. <laughs> because I was like, look, if, you, if you're getting lucky this many times in a row, it's not luck. It's something that you're doing correctly and consistently. Right. So it's not that I'm in the right place at the right time. It's I know where to be Right. And I put myself in a position to get quote unquote lucky. Right. But you're not going to get lucky sitting on your couch wishing that you were getting booked somewhere. No, not at all. But if you're at the club every night and somebody falls through and 
you know who you know you know people at the club because you've made those relationships i'm gonna look out in the bar and go hey dj the feature's late you want to do some time yeah we're not done with check drop and i need five minutes i need somebody to go up like yeah or the feature that we booked is terrible we need somebody to come <laughs> in and we're cutting him his time I've never down. done that uh, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about yeah that. like you gotta uh i mean you're i don't think that i don't think that comedian because the, the problem with comedy is that none of us got into it because we're good at business oh i know like the problem with uh, i think a very debilitating factor in comedy for everybody involved at every level is like i got into this because of the artistry and i thought it was funny and then I got so good at being funny that I started getting booked. And now that I'm getting booked, I have to learn this business element. Right. And and that's not that's not just in comedy. Right. It's in every business. Uh auto mechanic doesn't start work start um uh auto shop because he loves doing payroll. Exactly. It's because he started working on cars and got so busy that he had to hire somebody and now he's having to figure out the business side of things. Right. And I am in a unique position because I came at it the other way. I, my background is business. My background is bookkeeping and payroll and taxes. Yeah. So I have that knowledge. And then I was like, comedy? Sure, I can figure this out. You know? Right. I could never get on stage, which is why I totally respect what you guys do. Because I was like, without you, there's not laughs. But I know... I. I appreciate the business side of things. And if I could teach that to comics somehow and they would actually retain the information. I try. I know. I really, really try. Well, that's why we have the festivals and the seminars and the, you know. Yeah, the people that, and, and this have, is one thing that I've been telling comics as well is like when you're at that festival, the bookers go to all of those seminars. Right. And they pay attention to the comedians who are showing up and are not showing up to those seminars. And when there's... A seminar of me giving you the answers to the fucking test. <laughs> like, here's how you. That's here's how what you file festivals your are. Here's how you write All an of those email to seminars. somebody who's never heard of you. Here's an email that I sent to somebody who had never heard of me, and mm -hmm. it turned into me getting a headline weekend. Right. Like out the gate, sight unseen, just because I communicated correctly. Mm -hmm. Here's the answers to the fucking test, and the bookers are in the back of the room paying attention to who didn't show up to this seminar. So now when you're when you're in their DM or in their email, they're like, motherfucker, you're not serious about this. Right. You're not trying. You're not trying to develop and grow at all. Why am I why would I give you this week when there was a room full of people who are actually trying at this? But all you saw was this is your week to hang out in Vegas for and you get a couple of stage time opportunities. Right. Like, you're trying to flash. You're not trying to grow. We had an entire uh, seminar on videos. The videos that... And yeah. we used sample videos. This was at um, the San Diego Comedy Festival last year. And we put... We had people volunteer to use their videos and have the bookers break them down. This is where I stopped watching and why. This is what we're looking for. Yeah, that was with Nayla as well, for. right? Uh, no, no, no. It was... Uh, Jack Galvin, Hillary, yeah, yeah. Uh, Carlos and I. Yeah. Because Carlos and I wanted to do this at Laughs. Right. And we had set it up to do it, but the the two people that spoke before me took more time. And, you know, at some point we all just don't have the attention span to keep going. Right. 
But I've wanted to do this for a long time just because there's so many videos. But we have this seminar, and here's what we're looking at your videos and where you should. And then you turn around and send me a video with things that I just specifically said. Exactly. You're not paying attention, so I can't help I can't help you then. Yeah. But you're going to learn when you when you're ready to take that information and apply it. And then I'll be ready. Yeah. And I like this is business conversations are my favorite things to have. <laughs> like this well, is Well, welcome to Business 101. This is exactly like this is this podcast is is just another night in the green room with whoever the fuck I'm with. Like right. Me and Jack Jr., like, we have these conversations. Yeah. Like, me and Trix, we have these conversations. Like, there's a lot of people who, the, the people who I consider my dearest friends and brothers and sisters in this industry, this is the conversation that we're having over and over again. And every time I have this conversation, I either develop a previous thought more or I get a brand new thought from whoever I'm talking to. I'm like, oh shit, that's a fantastic right. idea. I should be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Like like Jack Jr. has given me a lot of great advice and I need to implement it better for <laughs> sure. Because uh, his, I mean, he's got a great strategy. Like he really, really works at it and hustles and promotes and he's constantly, constantly working at it. Mm -hmm. He's not sitting around being lazy and shit. And he's, but then at the same time, he's really good at appearing like he's just sitting around being lazy at it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. he doesn't put on this, uh, he doesn't put that vibe on stage right. of this serious businessman driven, motivated. Like he's instead on stage just being goofy, light and fun and fluffy and enjoyable. Right. Uh, and the people in the audience don't see through that character at all. Right. They don't see which is absolutely as a comic what you what you do. It's perfect. Yeah, it's a perfect balance because the people, industry people, the people that are in the business, the comics that you're working with, the the club owners, the managers, the bartenders. We don't want to deal with the person on stage for five days in a weekend no. or for however uh, long. A comic with no off switch <laughs> is the Jesus. worst. Like fucking when like, are you gonna you blow just... a fuse, bruh? Please, <laughs> please, please be normal. Please just be normal. The, the please one, have a conversation. The one, there is one comic that doesn't have an off switch that I cannot get enough of. Okay, Jonathan Gregory. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> No off switch. No fucking off switch. I will agree that there's no off switch. I will, I, I cannot wait to be around him. I just that is all that I can agree on in that statement. <laughs> the end. <laughs> it's true. Oh, I love that kid. He's so enjoyable. There's been a couple of times where he's like dropped the character and been like actual serious. And like we had like a a genuine discussion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, this this doesn't feel correct. I don't. Like, and see, it was opposite I don't, I don't when like this. he had enough people tell him that I can't stand. The I mean, it's on stage, it's whatever, but off stage, it drives me through the roof. He had enough people that he came up and had a real conversation with me, and I was like, oh, you do know how to do this. Yeah. Oh, you are a real person. Good. And we actually talked, and I mean, he talked. We talked about his kid, and I was like, oh. You know, but no, I can't do that on all the time, we in, uh, even with him. I walked into a bar in Phoenix. I think especially with him. <laughs> yeah. He's the only one there. Uh, and 
I walk up, I'm like, yo, hey, congratulations. Heard about the kid, like saw the post. Well, he's like, yeah, did I uh, tell you what I'm going to name him? And I was like, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't see that in the post. He's like, I'm going to name him like something, Michael Longfellow something. And Michael Longfellow was another Phoenix yeah. comic. Yeah. And I hadn't, I didn't know that at the time. Like, I didn't know who this guy was yet. Uh, and I was like, that's actually like a, that's a really strong name. I like that a lot. Uh, and then somebody else walks in. They're like, congratulations. And he's like, yeah, did I tell you I'm going to name him something DJ Sandu something? Like, like <laughs> everybody who came in, he gave them a brand new name. Yeah. And I was like, God, this, how? <laughs> I don't know if you're doing this in real time mm-hmm. or if you are in traffic strategizing how you're going to weird people out when you get right. here. Right, <laughs> right. Because is that a thing? Can you sit in traffic? Because, I mean, what he does is so off the wall and he's super intelligent and i he's know a very that smart dude because his comedy how he how he does it he has to be and yeah. i appreciate intelligence and comedy Love like that's it. what i like and the fact that uh, i just when he <sighs> when he breaks on stage and and kind of laughs, laughs at himself a little uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I, I love that yeah. It's like when, like, the SNL characters lose it a little bit. Like, whenever you see, like, Will Ferrell mm-hmm. and, like, Rachel Drash, like, <laughs> you automatically, you're like, oh, shit, this is so much better. It's right. so much better than a smoothly delivered. Right. Because when you're cracking yourself up. Yeah. And, and genuinely that, doing it. And it's not a scripted, well, I'm going to Well, there's something to be said about laughter, you know, is, is contagious. Yeah. If you're having so much fun on stage that you're laughing then you know it's more it's it's more likely the audience is going to have fun with you yeah if and that's why if you just stand up there and there's people that do it and have that kind of dry delivery and it works for them because they make it work for them but i've watched comics who do their thing tell the jokes and laugh in the same exact spot in the same quirky way like it's organic and i'm like because i see it over and over again but as the audience watches it they're like in their mind, you're having so much fun up there. Well, we want to have fun with you. And it's it's funny to watch just that mentality of you don't even know how scripted this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And or the, the, it drives me nuts. Uh, the, how much people study Dave Chappelle now because now everybody hits their knee with the microphone uh, whenever their joke doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is is you're laughing, you have this scripted laugh because your punchline is weak as fuck. And so the only way to do it is by triggering mirror neurons and people will experience an emotion that they that they see. Which is why when you're watching The Notebook, you cry. It's not happening to you, but you see it happening to others and, and your mirror neurons are firing. There's, there's this, uh, this empathy in you mm-hmm. That identifies with whatever you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so when they see you laughing, they're like, ha, 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 ha. But it's a lazy, cheap fucking trick, and I hate it. Uh, a great piece of advice I got from, uh, I saw this episode of uh, Last Comic Standing when uh, Roseanne was one of the uh, the judges. And uh, this comic went up and was like, how are we all doing tonight? And it was like, woo. And then as soon as the set was done, She's like, you did something that I absolutely hate. You opened up with, how are you guys doing? That's so lazy. 
because all it does is it makes them yay and applaud and it, it's a forced reaction. Mm -hmm. Your job is to get that reaction out of them. Mm -hmm. And I started quoting that so much where I'm like, just get to your joke. Just go to your joke. Mm -hmm. it, it, asking them how they're doing, unless you're the host. Unless you're the host. If you're the host, it's I was gonna mandatory. Say, as a host, it's your job. It's, and that's how you do get them focused on what you're there yeah. for. Get them reacting the way that, that you want them to react for the remainder of the evening. Yeah. But if you're the second, third, it's seventh. Like a fairy tale starting with eighth, Once Upon a Time. 23rd comic in, we all know how they're doing. Yeah. They're <laughs> They're doing. Unless they're, they're doing, doing terribly because, you know, they've watched however many comics bomb. And then you can ask it tongue in cheek and be like, uh, yeah. you guys okay? Yeah. <laughs> How you doing out like, here? Are you, uh, you going to make I'm it? I'm witnessing the same train wreck you guys are. Right. And uh, just want to check just in with acknowledging you on your it mental health. Real quick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't, that's why I dropped that immediately. And another thing that, uh, it's like Cassie Dang and uh, Nayla and uh, Jason Rowland, like they had all separately and individually given me the exact same advice. He said, I think that you're more likable than you present yourself and you should smile earlier in your set. Okay. Uh, because you are more approachable than you're giving yourself credit for. Right. And I don't think you're completely being who you are off stage, on stage. And I think that you should become a little bit more vulnerable and let them in on that little secret. Uh, and then I started like, so now I, I have feel like my that opener. would be my criticism as a booker. <laughs> right. Smile a little earlier and let them know that. <laughs> that's pretty much. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I feel they, like uh, that's my they, And they, that helped me out tremendously. So now I have my, my opener where my opener's. Like I stick the landing and I, I'm angry faced and I, I marinate in that for as long as the reaction goes like three quarters through that reaction. When mm -hmm. I feel like it's about to die off, then I'm like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And then I give him that little evil laugh and I'm like, Hey, thank you guys for coming out. And uh, I'm not having a good day to be honest with you. And I'm smiling through it and they're like, Oh, and, mm -hmm. and now they're in. Yeah. Because now they feel like they've met me mm -hmm. and they know who I am as a real human and not just this act. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I'm never like, yo, how are we doing tonight? I also never, I almost, almost never open up with give it up for whoever you just saw. Okay. Uh, I'll usually, I'll do a few jokes. And if I am going to bring them up, it'll be after I've done a few jokes. Mm -hmm. But I think it's super lazy to open up with give it up for it. Because again, your job is to get the reaction out of the audience. Right. Not, it's the next how you doing. Not treat them like a trained seal at the circus and make them fucking flap their fins for a fish. Well, give it up for anything is yeah. considered. Let's hear it for the troops. Right. Garbage, like, yeah. where are my ladies at? Right. Where's right. the Latin people? Mm -hmm. uh, Do you have any Mexicans in the house? Yeah. Like, yeah. when you're polling the audience, it's so... Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many women are here. It doesn't matter if anybody here is gay. It doesn't matter if there's black people in the audience. It doesn't... Because... If nobody says anything, well, because your job is to entertain the people that are there. Yeah, and no it matter, matter what they look like, right. At all, right? Uh, and their response doesn't influence whether or not you're going to do that joke anyway. It shouldn't. So why the fuck are you even asking? <laughs> it if they're shouldn't here? because if you're not doing a joke because a certain group of people are there, then you shouldn't be doing that joke. Exactly, because it's not funny. You're just getting the. 
the reaction of people that think similarly to you, which is racism, people. Right. <laughs> There's two spots where I do it in my set. Uh, one is because I have a punchline tied to it, whether people respond or not. Mm-hmm. Or I'm like, Mexican, any, any Mexican people here? And if nobody says anything, then I'm like, what? Dude, none? Really? Did that wall already go up? And then I can go into, I can just keep going to the joke. Mm-hmm. Or if a couple respond, then I can direct this joke at them. And when the entire audience gets uncomfortable, I'll be like, which is why they're all looking at you to see if you're laughing. Mm. They're fucking laughing. Calm down. And then the audience is like, ah. So I do it in that spot specifically to create tension so that I can relieve that tension. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I have a joke about uh, a legless veteran who I met in in Appleton, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And it gets real dark real quick and it's fucked up. And I look like this talking shit about veterans. Uh, and at the end of the joke, then I'll be like, uh, uh, also any service members here, any military, like army, Navy, anybody, and like anybody raise their hand. I'll be like, are any of you guys offended by that joke? Right. And every time they're always like, not at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, uh, anybody who didn't serve, are you offended by that joke? Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> if you want to be offended by that joke, do the right thing, go enlist and earn the right to be offended by that joke. Don't be sitting next to this dude who the joke's about and be offended on his behalf. <laughs> and then every time the veterans lot, walking out are like, thank you for that. Yeah. So it's not, I've, I don't do where's the veterans, give it up for them. Mm-hmm. My tribute to the veterans is making fun of them. And as weird as that sounds, that's how... This is how comedians show their appreciation for a demographic is by making fun of them. Mm-hmm. Like I don't make fun of anybody that I hate. Like that's just not, I do. We, we, you only roast the people you love, right? You know, like I don't make jokes about. Well, it's not going to come off on stage as comedy or as funny if there's actual hate. If behind there's it. hate yeah. behind it, if they can see through the right. Like oh, I'm just making a punchline so I can get away with it, like, right? You see it in open mic. Yeah. But the only reason why I make fun of gay people is because I've spent so much time in that community and I understand these humans well. I understand their struggles and their their dynamics. Like, I get it. So I'm able to make these jokes about Mexican people, but I don't have any jokes about Vietnamese people because I haven't spent a whole lot of time with a lot of Vietnamese people. So that's not really a culture that I can make fun of. Mm -hmm. Like efficiently, at least. Right. Uh, so, and especially with with with, I hate when people are like you can't make fun of the troops. And I'm like, what the fuck you think troops are doing all day long? <laughs> like these are the most sarcastic shit talking people on the planet. Mm-hmm. If you're not making fun of them, mm-hmm. you're not speaking their language, mm-hmm. and you're treating them like a child who's broken and shattered. And this is why they're killing themselves because they come back, and every time they get back, everybody's treating them like. And they're just so soft with them. And they're like, dude, like I'm I'm a grown-up. <laughs> like right. I'm gonna have to live the rest of my life like this, being treated like a child? Fuck this. I'm yeah. gone. Yeah. And they really appreciate being a child. So that's the only two times where I ask where people are. Mm-hmm. Is one to create tension or two to show everybody that whoever I just made fun of isn't offended by this joke. Right. But it's never to preface a joke. Yeah. 
Not a not where are where are couples? No. How long have you been married? Nope. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I call it taking a census. Yeah, uh, we're not here to take yeah, a census. I always say call. I, I say polling. Polling people. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing. It's like, I don't need to know what they're all doing. It doesn't matter, man. Do your joke. Right. Just get into your joke. <laughs> right. And like, especially like when people are like, oh, I'm, I only get 10 minutes. And I get I'm it. Like, well, then do I, 10 minutes worth of comedy. Don't, don't waste any of that 10 minutes. Right. I don't, I don't. It's very well known. I don't like crowd work, but it's not crowd work to say, hey, what do you do? And then build a joke off of that or, right. you know, use it in a transition to relate to a person in the audience. But if you're asking him and the guy next to him and the guy over here, it's the and same question. It's over and everyone. over and over and you're not really using it in your set. Then you're just filling time. Right. Now I think you don't have time. Exactly. That's a, and that's a big problem that miles had had for a long time <laughs> was people didn't know that he had written jokes Well, and they didn't know that he had an hour worth of written jokes. Right. Uh, well, Miles was very, and him and I have talked about this, so this is nothing new. Miles is, was very proud of the fact for a while that he didn't do material for X, Y, Z number of months. Right, like it was a, it was a, a fact that he boasted about. Yeah, I, that's a that was something that impressed me. <laughs> it very didn't much impressed me so much. Right, though. I was like, I don't, I don't understand how that's an accomplishment. Like your whole job is to tell jokes. Yeah, but he's and you're just he's so good at his crowd work though. It's not the same lazy uh it's not the same lazy punchlines that everybody else throws out like oh like oh here's a black guy he's got a big dick. Oh, right. this Asian guy can't drive. <laughs> like it's not that. Like he always finds a way to relate everything on a much deeper level and he doesn't go for the lowest hanging fruit. Uh but what you have to worry about when you don't see a comic do material is, can they? Is this going to work every time? If the crowd isn't there. Right. If or if they're not responding. Have, right. If, if you, you have don't that. have a crowd that's that's responding. Or if you have a crowd that's responding negatively. Right. What's your backup plan? Yeah, do you he, actually have material? He and does. He does. Have, yeah. He's got and the contingency plan. And he's gotten booked and he realized the mistake in making it sound like he didn't have material right like you can't just not have material and do crowd work there are and i consistently say i hate crowd work but there are comics that do crowd work well yeah like paulo gata it's just a very small percentage right compared to the percentage of comics that think they do it well but that's the same yeah. for anything like i think i'm adequate yeah, I think I, mean, I get by. Uh, I can't say that I remember you doing any crowd work. So. I don't think I'm. I mean, I don't think it's my. <laughs> I don't go fucking DJ. Always doing crowd work. Right. Because uh, so. I mean, for the most part, I'm trying to showcase. Up until this point, I've been trying to showcase for you that I deserve to get bumped up to that next level. Right. That you have the time. So every second that I'm on that stage, I'm trying to make it count. And now that I'm where I am with you, now I can kind of loosen the tie and unbutton the, the top button because I know that the, I built that trust and that rapport right uh, which is any anytime well, I do a week in a different city you've proven yourself that yeah. you have an hour now I don't expect you to do that hour every time I really hope you don't do that hour every time right I want to see new stuff I want to see that you're working and that you're changing and 
And you do have more leeway because I know that even if you go into a, you know, talking to somebody because something came up, whatever, not only can you handle doing that, but you can transition back into what you need to be doing that you're not now going to spend the next hour talking to Fred about farming because you got into a conversation you don't know how to get out of. Right. And you're just like grasping for a punchline. You're like, (laughs) the only emergency exit is laughter and I'm not not finding it. Right. Uh, It's really nice that you made that one guy feel special. Yeah. But the other hundred that were in the audience were like, we don't give a fuck about Fred or farming. I've seen that happen so many times. (laughs) Right. And that's that's why there's so many variables in crowd work that it's like you have to do it and you have to do it really well seamlessly for it to seem like comedy instead of it seeming like you're out of time you're taking a poll you're doing all these other things you're you're you know you're flailing on stage like a dead fish if you're not the headliner oh if Uh, you're not the headliner don't do it at all i would thank you very much me personally when i'm headlining because the headliner is gonna hate it too when i'm headlining i always tell everybody like look there's no rules you can be as raunchy as you want you can talk to whoever you want you can do as much crowd i don't give a shit do whatever you want if i can't follow you i'm not a headliner and I don't care how difficult my job's gonna. I want my job to be as hard as possible. I want to grow. Like this is the gym for me, and I want to. I want to hit my max weight. The, it is true that if a, if an opener or a feature is doing crowd work, the headliners that I book, I have faith can get them back from wherever they right. end up. Yeah. At the beginning of their set. Like, no matter what I, I did on no... stage, if Ty Rivera's next, he is going to... Right. He's a lion tamer. Right. He knows how to whip this audience back into shape to get them to where he needs them to be. Right. We had a host a few weeks ago that just did crowd work. And now, I know he didn't just do crowd work to get into the club, because I wouldn't have booked him otherwise. Right. But that was what he did, and no amount of telling him otherwise... Because unless you ask me, I'm not going to tell you anything. But the other comics said something to them about to him about it, and he kept doing it. Not that the feature couldn't follow him; he did. He had to dig out of this hole and get the the audience right. settled back down. And that's so much more dangerous at that host spot because the audience is already talking to the waitresses, right? Uh, and they're still just wrapping up the conversation that they were having when the lights got turned off. Right. So. And now you're That's like, so oh, we don't have to stop talking. Yeah. It's allowed. Exactly. And He's then, giving me permission right, right now. Right. And then don't look at me to do something about it if you start this. Exactly. I'm way less likely to intervene on a customer talking or, you know, especially talking to you if you've already been talking to them. Yeah. It's, because it's, you open that door. As rapey as it sounds, it's a little bit of a you shouldn't have worn the dress kind of a situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like, mean, I would have gone with more like you shouldn't have showed up at his house. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it's I, I mean, if in that situation, you are 100 percent asking for what you're getting. I'm not saying the dress thing. I'm saying like the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's why I said showing up at the door is a little yeah, more uh, apropos. It's. And, and I, I don't know, because I'm very honest with myself about when I didn't do well or when I did well. Well, having... And that that's a huge necessity mm-hmm. in 
artistry in general. Having that self-awareness. Uh, yeah, having self-awareness. Like, I mean, uh, like LeBron James doesn't leave the game with a fucking 12% field goal <laughs> percentage and thinking, yo, I fucking killed it. Right. But he's not delusional about it. He sees that bad performance and then he studies how to not have that bad performance. That's again. the difference between comedy and other things is there's, there's not a numeric a value. Set, yeah, yeah. Value of, because I mean, I've seen comics, I've heard comics, I've talked to comics that have come off stage and been like, I killed it. You're like, Did you? You killed me. I was in the same room. You I was were. dying for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've seen that so many times. But that's uh, what you were talking about. So I only say the difference between a comedian and an open micer is an open micer will only hear the reactions, right? And a comedian will only hear the silence, right? Like if I get off and there's this one joke that I've been trying to that I'm really gonna hang my hat on, and it did not land how I wanted it to land, I'm like fuck, man, what was what? I was off. What did I do wrong? And that. I could have been killing for 24 minutes. That one minute of mm -hmm. silence is the only thing I'm going to remember from that entire set versus it's an so open micer yeah. who's getting silence the entire time. And then they finally drop a good joke and then silence again for the rest of the set. They get off. They're like, did you hear? I'm like, yeah, I heard the one reaction you got. In five minutes. I absolutely heard that. Right. But it's... It, in, Honestly, I wish I kind of had that a little bit where I can block out that. I have argued with a comic. Um, not many because comics aren't brave enough to ask me my opinion normally at that level, which they shouldn't. I mean, I'm never going to tell somebody to quit your dreams or anything like that. I'm going to give constructive criticism, but at that level, they're not ready for that. You know, yeah. they're, they're still, you know, living on a hope and a prayer. But I've had that conversation because a comic came up to me and was like, When's my weekend? What? You're like, Are where? You Your weekend about? where? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I assume it's Friday through Sunday like everyone else's, but yeah, I don't really. know when your weekend is. <laughs> I mean, and I, I, he literally was arguing with me about how well he did. And I was like, do you hear what's happening right now? Like we're in the back of the showroom. Do you hear this? That's laughter. Yeah. Like you did. Oh, that's it again. You hear how it's happening you know, you so many times we're in a per showroom minute and, and able to have a conversation at a normal. <laughs> we don't have to whisper. Right. That's yeah, because that's because this motherfucker is so killing right now. Right. For real. And I could yell and nobody in here would hear me. Yeah. Because this dude's rocking shit. Right. That's the difference. But but you're right. An open micer is like feeds off of that one thing and that, i've seen yeah. i've seen comics headliners do great and come off stage and go that ah, was all right yeah like I've, are you kidding me so many times do you see how these stage. people are walking by talking about how great you are and how much they love you yeah those are good things and it's like well it wasn't my best all right i can't argue with you good that's who i want to be with right that's exactly who I want to build a relationship. Well, that's why I want to book. Yeah, because you're Somebody's striving to be, be better all the time. You're not, and mm -hmm. I mean, you still need to pat yourself on the back. And that's one big piece of advice that I give comics is if you're recording your set and you're watching it, uh, definitely look at the things that didn't work. Mm -hmm. But don't focus on just that. You right. need to also give yourself credit for the things you did well because right. now you're seeing oh that worked. 
maybe that's a direction I should lean into a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I'll have more success if I do more of that Mm -hmm. Uh, versus just avoiding what I'm doing wrong. Right. You have to move towards what you're doing correct as well. And then you're not leaving this, this viewing with all this negative affect and like, oh, I'm a piece of shit and I'm worthless and I'm not good at this and I should quit. Like, you've got to also build yourself up if you're going to break yourself down. Well, and it can also, it can also give you uh, assistance in fixing that one thing that went wrong by looking at what went right. Right. So, oh... Maybe if I apply this or if I, you know, change the cadence or change the tone or the joke itself is solid, but why didn't they rock with it? Well, let me, let me switch this up because it worked over here. Why wouldn't it work here? Right. Yeah. I mean, just like. You have to study the good with the bad. It's just like inventing something Mm -hmm. or building something. Like people who make bridges do it that way because this is what works. Mm Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of trial and error to figure out what, but it's not like somebody discovered rebar and was like, hey, everybody, rebar helps a lot. And it was like, well, then we're not fucking doing that. Right. This doesn't work at all. Well, we we're already know focus it works. On that and we're so... going to keep trying that until it fucking works. <laughs> right. Like, no, you found a thing that works and creates structure. Mm-hmm. That's something that you should do more often. Mm-hmm. And that's that's another huge piece of advice that I give comics a lot is, is you have to lean in on your strong. And that was something that that's what Cassie and Nayla and uh, and Jason were saying was, mm-hmm. dude, your smile, your smile is winning, dude. Lean into that a little like you're you are a friendlier person than you're letting them know about. Right. Let them know about it. Yeah. And. Once I started leaning into that, like everything just started. I started bumping up to headline at a lot of spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't host anywhere now. Like I'm, I now if I get a host offer, I'm like, I mean, if improv hits me up or Funny Bone hits me up, yeah, absolutely, I'll take that host week and I will fucking kill it. But if some random place in Wyoming or something <laughs> like that, like no, absolutely not. It's not going to be worth. Like that's. I will accomplish more staying home and not getting paid than flying all the way to you to to do 10 minutes and most of it is announcements. Yeah. Like it's not, it's just not worth it to me anymore. And there's a lot of people who would love that opportunity and could grow from that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to get in the way of anybody else's progress either. If this is going to be a hindrance to me, and it's just taking food out of somebody else's mouth. Just go ahead and feed them instead. Right. Yeah. And I think there needs to be a lot more comics that operate that way as well. Of, uh, I mean, because I know a lot, there's been a lot of weeks that I've done in the Midwest and the South where it's some old bitter road dog who's like, oh, fucking. Because like right now, I still love going to Oklahoma City. Yeah. But it's only like my fifth time or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's still enjoyable to me. Yeah. But then whoever's headline and this is their 20th fucking time. They're like, oh, I'm still. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they haven't <laughs> fixed the shower yet. And, uh, yeah. The old house was burnt and like all that shit. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why don't you just stop then? Yeah. You fucking quit. Get out of the way so I can bump up. Right. You're just getting in in my way. You're a roadblock, and I would have to just wait for you to die. Like, you're miserable. Give this job to somebody who's going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. 
Like, there's a reason why people are walking out during your set and buying my merch on their way to the parking lot because I'm still enjoying this. Right. And you have to. As a comic, you have to enjoy this or you should you should be out. If I don't like my set, how can I expect anybody else to? <laughs> right. Right. There's no way. Like you have to you got to be a fan of yourself. Mhm. First you and foremost, to. you have to be. You have to be confident in this product and a fan, not but not a super fan. fan. No, you can't be. <laughs> you cannot be your own groupie. No. Uh, <laughs> Open micers. Uh, you can't be your own groupie, but like you do have to be a big fan of yourself. Right. Uh, and that's, and you, like you got to watch the people you're working with and seeing what works for them. Like it, it expands your brain a little bit mm-hmm. where it's like, wow, I never even thought about going that direction and seeing, cause like, like again, like, I mean, I keep bringing up Ty, but like every time I watch him, there's something that I'm like, shit, dude, like, I've seen you do this bit like 12 different with 12 different emotions now. Right. Like you have presented this bit angrily. You've presented it happily. You've presented it depressed. Like (laughs) you have, I've seen you work this from a few different angles and it works better every time. Mm -hmm. And that's fascinating. That's Mm -hmm. crazy to me that, but that's somebody who's continuing to work the material. Yeah. You don't just find an hour and then recite the hour. Yeah. That's not what comedy comedians I've, do. I've seen, I mean, like I love, uh, like Godfrey's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen him deliver a joke with anger. I've seen him do that same joke, just throwing it away. Yeah. And just like, kind of just, just put it out in passing. Yeah. And applause breaks on Either, either delivery. And I'm right. like, how the... F- no, I can't... <laughs> I don't have that muscle. That's not a talent that I had. Right. But acknowledging that there's a talent that you still need to develop... Right. Is Seeing that essential. little weakness or seeing that strength in somebody else. Right. Is essential in knowing and being able to develop those additional talents. It's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Like, I love... I love when I see a comic and when they get off stage, I'm like, I should fucking quit. <laughs> <laughs> damn that was whew, yeah. i'm not i'm never gonna be that yeah i love that feeling i yeah. love when i see somebody who makes me want to never do this again uh it because it, it's real easy when you're in something every day to feel like it's dead or dying right uh and to get desensitized and just kind of emotionally detached from it so when somebody comes along and ignores the do not resuscitate. <laughs> yeah. And just breathes life back into you. You're like, oh, and then I just, I go into a writing frenzy mm-hmm. uh, and I pump out a shitload of content and then it whittles down to one good joke. Uh, <laughs> Which is what happens. Yeah. So what are you, do uh, you want to talk about what you've been busy doing, keeping busy during this quarantine, sitting around? being sad for yourself yeah uh well i mean a big part of it was getting away from my uh <laughs> crazy roommate yeah my junkie roommate that that took up a lot of time and effort and uh it's i mean as much as i joke about it like i mean you guys don't know the details but it's traumatic mm-hmm. like when there's a traumatic and i'm still trying to wrap that up like trying to get myself off the lease and trying to get somebody else on and like She's not communicative Mm -hmm. and like, so that's taking up a lot of, uh, 
the mental capacity that I have right now is I don't really have a whole lot of RAM left over yeah. for creativity. Can you imagine having to deal with this if you if we weren't in quarantine though? Like while you're on the road or while you're I have been. Yeah. Uh and again, it was only 5 weeks. Yeah. But like Jesus Christ, I can't imagine like luckily I'm booked all the time so I didn't have to be around it much like. Right. But when I was around it it was and I was nervous when I was on the, I started locking my door and the door to my bathroom. Uh cuz I came home one day and I asked her uh I was like, yo, who took a shower in my my bathroom? Yeah. We have our own bathrooms. Yeah. And she's like, nobody. And I was like, well, I mean. But somebody did. But somebody did. Right. And she's like, no, no, no. I'm like, well, like, look, here's the thing. I close the shower curtain. Right. Always. This is a this is in me. This is a thing that I do. Mm-hmm. I don't like being able to see inside the tub when I'm taking a shit. Right. Okay. Like, I want this is a this is a wall. Right. Uh, it just looks sloppy. So I came home and the shower curtain was open and she was like, well, I mean, maybe you forgot to close it on this once. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, also there's long brown hair in the tub and I don't have that. Yeah. And she's like, oh, maybe like the dogs jumped oh in it. God. And I'm like, well, my soap is in a different spot and it's frothy. And I always wash the soap off and put it in the same location. Yeah. Again. Well, we're creatures of habit. A yeah. Lot. Like, I like, know. I, I know when somebody's been in my space. I know it. Yeah. And, like, she's just lying to me about something that is so clearly obvious. And it's crazy making. And, like, trying to trying to untrain yourself from that trauma is, like, you have to, you, you got to go through all these memories and reconvince yourself that you're not a lunatic. Right. Uh so I've been spending a lot of time in quarantine <laughs> undoing yourself you're not a lunatic? the damage that this person did yeah. in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, uh, I'm writing a cartoon. I'm uh, almost done with the last episode, and then I'm going to submit that hopefully in the next couple of days. Uh, actually, just now the production company uh, texted me asking for pages. Nice. Uh so, I mean, I can send them the first seven episodes and just tell them by the time you're done reading episode seven, episode eight will be done. Right. Uh, and then uh, trying to develop a crime miniseries, like a crime drama miniseries, kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know, like Mindhunter or uh, True Detective or mm-hmm. something like that. Like mm-hmm. just 10 episodes of one story and then move to the next story with a completely different cast. Nice. Okay. Uh, and then I want to get into this horror film. Uh, like I want to start going into different directions That's and, awesome. uh, and I don't want to be, I don't know. Cause like, I don't listen to only metal. I don't listen to only hip hop. I don't, you know, like yeah. I listen to so many things. So I think it's weird that, and I'm a fan of so many different genres that it's weird that I would only, allow myself to develop in one realm right? Uh, without acknowledging the other realms that I thoroughly enjoy. Well, I don't think anybody's ever given bad advice when they've said to diversify. So, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, uh, that's, that's always, that's always a, a productive thing for your soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, this may or may not, 
become financially lucrative for me. Right. And I really don't give a shit if it does. Uh, I just want to create something that I'm proud of, mm-hmm. that I enjoy, that uh, if it got made, amazing, awesome. But we're also in an industry where uh, nobody gives you money until you have a product worth purchasing. Right. And nobody's going to give you money and say, now, here's money. Go develop it. Right. Once you have it developed, you can bring it to me and then I'll give you money. But that's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, no one's paying you to create. They're paying you for having already created. Right. Uh, so because I don't have a direct boss that's giving me a deadline and, and a mission statement, like I've got to find the motivation on my own. And uh, that's been... That's been the funnest thing that's happened for me this year. Yeah. Is finally becoming that person that has the discipline uh, and looks forward to being alone at a coffee shop and pumping out this and just going in my head, developing like a roadmap for this next episode or the next season or whatever, like mm-hmm. building this arc. It's It's just this huge puzzle that... Like it exists in my head right now, and and now I'm physically putting pieces together in 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 real life, like in 3D, and it's phenomenal because I feel so stupid and out of place and out of my own skin, and I enjoy that. Yeah, uh, it's super uncomfortable, but uh, growth is very uncomfortable. It's true. Uh, like uh, Corey Robinson one time said this to me. He was like, "Dude, growth is painful." Growth hurts. That's why babies cry when their teeth are coming in. Mm-hmm. And I think about that all the time because it's like, yeah, yeah, growth hurts. But on the other side of that pain is a better version of yourself. So, yeah, this hurts a lot. But once you get through that pain, there's a way better you waiting for you. And and I want to meet that me. Yeah. I can't wait to meet that version of myself That's who cool. isn't stressed out about this kind of a situation anymore. Right, right, right. You'll be stressed out about whole new situations yeah. that you don't even know about yet. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. I really, really hope so. I think that if you're, uh, once you become complacent, fucking kill yourself. What are you here for anymore? Right. Why are you here if you're not growing? Right. Uh, if you're just coasting, then. You're in the way. Go away, man. <laughs> like you are all of our problems. Mm-hmm. Like just get out of the fucking way. Like I don't, I don't like that. That's why I didn't like I open mic because I'm like you guys are doing the same thing over and over and over and over again for <laughs> years, man. Like, yeah, do something different and grow. And I don't, I don't get along with people who aren't good at growth at all. Like, I mean, Miles has said, "Fucking relationship ending things to me before." <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, but he's not talking shit. It's fertilizer. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's doing it to force me into a more positive, healthy direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas anybody else would have looked at that as like, oh, he's just disrespectful and mean and he's a bully or whatever. And I look at it as this guy loves me so much that he's willing to say something to me that may or may not break us. Right. Because he loves me that much that he would rather me leave his life than than watch and myself so destroy myself. Right. 
Uh, and that's that's awesome. That's who I need in my corner. That's what everybody needs. Yeah. Everybody needs that person that'll that'll tell you the uncomfortable things, that'll say the things to you that... I mean, you and Jeff were huge for me. <laughs> well, literally, you and Jeff were huge for me. I went to Jeff uh, uh, when I was trying to bump up to feature. Uh, I had a monster host weekend. I did different sets. I, like, I nailed it. Yeah. I did fucking awesome. And... I went over to Jeff after the last one and I was like, hey, so uh, when are we looking at bumping me up? And he was like, hang on one second. And then he like sets up the feature, makes sure everything's, and he's like looking around for a minute and then he's like, okay, now. And then he looks me in the eye. He was like, we've been talking about you. Uh, we just don't think you're ready. And I was like, okay, well, what would you like to see out of me? And he was like, uh, well, here's a couple of things. And then I'd ask you, like, what would you like to see out of me? <laughs> and you're like, oh, here's a couple of things. And then the next time you saw me, you saw that I didn't have those weaknesses anymore. Uh, and you still booked me for a host weekend. Uh, and then that was, it was Scott Kennedy. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he unfortunately had passed that weekend. And you would call me like, good news and bad news. Uh, bad news is the headliner just passed away uh, today. Uh, good news is you're getting bumped up to feature. <laughs> Right. And I was like, I, this isn't how I wanted to get bumped up <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah. But because you and I had been communicative about my growth and what you want to see out of me, mm-hmm. you trusted that in this moment you can bump me up mm-hmm. and that I'm going to I'm going to cover it. Plus, I was like sink or swim. Yeah. You're like, it's time. You've been asking for it. Right. Prove uh, that you, here's, here's an opportunity. It, it just randomly came up. Show me that you deserve it. Right. Because it's really hard to move back. And that is why sometimes I take a long time to move someone up because there's not necessarily a go back option. If I right. move you to feature, I can't necessarily host you again. Because, I mean, there's a lot of attitude and things that I'm not willing to deal with. Yeah, and I'm so willing to. So I want you to be ready when I move you into that next position, when I move you to headline or when I move you to feature. Because if you don't do well, it doesn't necessarily mean you, you know, go back to how you were. No, it probably means you get fired. Right. More than likely. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I tell people don't reach out until you're ready to reach out. Right. You only have one chance at a first impression. And if you want to get in as a headliner with this club, don't don't petition for the feature spot because you'll be stuck at that feature spot for a long fucking time. Yeah. Uh, apply for the job that you actually want. Uh, at the same time, make sure that you're you ready have for your that stuff. job. Yeah. Like, this is not a together. job that you can come in and fake it. There's a lot of bookers that they saw your clip the first time and if two years later you send them a brand new clip they're not even going to watch it because all they have is the bad taste in their mouth from the first one and they're going to assume that you're probably sending the exact same one right if you can do five really well do that five showcase that five don't get up there trying to do 15 when you only have seven right don't stretch it Because I'm not watching that seven and going, well, he's got seven. I'm watching you and going, well, you can't fulfill 15. And I've I've stopped being uh, friendly and fluffy to people when they ask me, like, 
<laughs> I just I don't have the time for it anymore. Yeah. Where people are like, yeah, I'm trying to do what you're doing and like travel around about this and that, and like I'm gonna start reaching out to uh, to bookers and try to get the feature spot. And I'm like, well, how much time do you have comfortably? Like, right. and don't lie about it. How much time do you think you have? Like, I mean, I could probably do 15. I'm like, then why the fuck are you applying for 30 minute positions? Right. <laughs> Why are you it doing make any this? Sense. Yeah, like you don't have the qualifications. You didn't meet the minimum qualifications. So I mean, well, then if you can do twenty five, if you have a good twenty five, you still shouldn't be applying for twenty five. Absolutely not. You should have forty coming in for a twenty five minute set. Absolutely, because you never know what's going to go wrong, up. and if you have to change gears, if you're if the crowd's not feeling a certain yeah. line of what you're doing. You might have to bail on a joke. And right. if you don't have the time to take out or rearrange your set, then you're screwed. So to do 15, you should have 20 to 25. To do 25, you should have 40. To do 45, you should have an hour. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily all have to be killer, but it does have to be good. Or then you end it's up the person. Lucid. You have yeah. You end up the person up there going, "Well, how long have you been together?" Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we're back to that. Uh, how'd you meet? Oh, oh that's interesting. Right. No, what do you not. do? None of this is interesting. Right. right. Literally, none of it's interesting. <laughs> not to anybody except for you. The, not even you, to them. The comic they, trying to fill the time. Yeah, yeah it, exactly. And the not even them because like we they left very... work for the day and they're here to see you. Yeah. They don't want to talk about them. And so many people don't want to sit in the front row because they don't want to be talked to. And I, and I, I hate don't know that. how I can explain this to comics. Do you know how many people don't want to be talked to in that an audience? They are not there to people have that apprehension be... to even come to a comedy show. Because they don't want to get picked on. Right. And it's like, man, that, it sucks that that's our reputation. Cause it's, right. And I tell people, I go, most of the time, 90% of the time, they're not going to talk to you. Yeah. It's probably more like 95% of the time. But you can sit in the front row and not be made fun of or made to be the joke. Right. So, yeah. But there is a huge anxiety in that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I... Because I, I went to see uh, Jay Hollingsworth at uh, the Ice House, mm -hmm. and uh, he was he was hosting. He brings up Brad Williams, which is fucking hilarious. Mm -hmm. That this right. fucking six foot nine giant of a of a Irish dude brings up brings up a literal a leprechaun. Uh, <laughs> it was just right. God, it was just so weird seeing them on stage together. But Brad and I had never met. Yeah. And they had sat me in the second row just under the lights by myself. And every time Brad's eyes came my direction, I'm like, shit, he's, mm -hmm. here it comes. Mm -hmm. Here it comes. He's commenting on me. I'm by myself. I have this huge beard. I'm, I'm a fucking target. Yeah. And the whole show, I was experiencing that anxiety. And he never. Never did. Never addressed me. Yeah. But the whole 45 minutes he was on stage, I was like, oh, here, oh, shit, shit, shit. Oh, oh, no. I was at the Ha Ha for the NoHo Festival. And um, I was standing out in the bar area talking to, you know, just industry comics, you know, networking. And they had a sold out show. So there weren't any seats available. And uh, Nate Jackson came. And he's like, are you going to watch the show? I go, there's no seats. Like, I'm... I'm, I'm not worried about it. He's like, no, that's what you're here for. I'm like, I know, but 
if there's no seats, I'm not going to stand in the way. Right. Like I also run a club. I know how this works. And he's all, I'm going to find you a seat. I was like, okay. So it finds me a seat. It was me and Matt Broom. Matt Broom was supposed to go and sit with me. Right. So I wasn't by my goddamn self, but he didn't. He stayed out and was talking. So I go in. He's like, come here, come here with me. Second row. Right there. I'm like, no, no. this is a terrible place. It's a terrible idea. But I'm not going to say no. So I sit down and the entire time I'm like, don't cross your arms. Smile. Don't <laughs> like, you yeah. don't look. Uh, you have to look like, like you're a- <laughs> like it's natural. Have a like, I'm, I like knew, a pageant girl. I don't know what half of the comics said because I was like, "Oh shit, smile." smile. Yeah, that, yeah. Don't crush your arms. Uncross your arms. Yeah, um, you're you're on a performance now, <laughs> right? Because I'm like, because I don't watch comedy like an audience member, and if I'm sitting there with my arms crossed and this look of, I'm not, yeah, not, I'm not mad. I'm just studying you at this point. Yeah. But if I look like that, this is just physically comfortable for me. Right? They're (laughs) literally going to look at me and go, "What's what's your problem? I'm a fucking booker. Stop talking to me." (laughs) Yeah, for real. But 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 it's uncomfortable because I was like the whole time, just like I have to be aware of my appearance and be aware what. Don't laugh too loud and don't do this because I don't want to be spoken to. (laughs) I don't want to, like you said, I don't want to be the target. Well, because my 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 fear with that was the exact fear that you just had is that Mm -hmm. I'm a booker, Mm -hmm. and then because. I don't know that as a comic. Right. Right? You right. might just be somebody who knows what this event is because they've explained it. Right. And so if Brad came to me and was like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm actually a comedian. He, he, right. Read the jokes to us, buddy. Right. Well, right. I'm like, no, right. I, I, like, I no, am. No, really. Like, really, uh, I am. Right. And like, it, it's it's going to... It'll turn into a whole other conversation. Yeah, and now yeah. it's going to look like I'm trying to take over the show. And like, like I had that whole anxiety mm-hmm. in my head. Like, I had, like I went through all these nightmare scenarios. Right. Of And we're in an industry and understand that that's not really how it happens. Exactly. And we still experience... Yeah, so I understand what, what people What regular don't. people are like, I don't want to sit in the front row because I don't want them to make fun of me. Like, Even worse are the people that, as they're walking in, they're like, "We like to sit in the front," and I'm yeah. like, "Oh fuck, you're a <laughs> you're a landmine. Right. You're a massive liability. Right. You're yeah. gonna be the first one to get kicked out, right? And it's gonna be so fucking public because you're in the goddamn spotlight, right? You're, make you're a in the hardest spot to get to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like God damn it, and every time it's always." Every I've never seen anybody be like, we want to sit in the front and then be well behaved the whole show. Right. Yeah. They're the worst humans on the planet. I fucking hate them. <laughs> it's because they want attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want attention, do what I did. Get good at this and get booked. Oh, I was going to say, go <sighs> seek therapy. Yeah, but... <laughs> really. Go pay somebody to pay exactly, attention to you. Exactly. Don't make this everybody else's downfall. <laughs> right. We came here to have fun. They didn't come here to. Fucking watch me and Carol have a conversation about whatever dumb thing she wants to yeah, talk about. Whatever happened at HR not... today. Right. Like, oh, right. you're not interesting. You're not. <laughs> I promise you, you're not. If you mm-hmm. were, people would be paying to come see you, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're not. But your ego won't let you realize that right. you're an open mic or. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I'll, t- I'll talk forever. Uh, I know. That's I'll, I'll never shut up. That's why that's why uh, podcasting comes so easy. Because if you're podcasting with comics, you don't have to talk much. They'll do it for you. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. Plus, I had coffee today, and that's not normal. 
<laughs> I never have coffee. We should have started this uh, podcast an hour earlier. You would have heard all the business. Oh God! It was a uh, yeah. It was a pretty much a run on sentence for the first twenty minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was... mean, we had some catching up to do. I haven't seen you in a while. Too, yeah. So it worked, but but yeah, there was there was well then there was a snafu because Jenny's unprofessional, but. <laughs> if Thank a comic you. showed up this so prepared to your club <laughs> you know what you will never book me for this podcast again right you will never get me on this podcast Dang again it. this was your one chance they and know you fucking shit the bed now they know i'm unprofessional <laughs> it's horrible it's going in the yelp review it is i hope so under behind the showroom <laughs> thank you for coming out thank you for having thank you for me doing this and also, thank you for not making this entire conversation about the fucking coronavirus. Uh, um, you know, I, I appreciate think that more than you know. I think that's overtalked. So, you know, we got to talk about everything else that we got coming up. It's yeah. going to be better soon. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. One, two, three, four, lift off.